First Things First is our series for this month, for the next four weeks. And essentially what we're going to talk about for the next four weeks is this craving that we all have to change something about our life as we transition from 2015 to 2016. There are areas of our lives that need improvement. There are areas of our lives that simply just need to be done away with. There are areas of our lives that need um, uh, some tweaking And if we're being honest with ourselves, a lot of the areas that need to be improved or need to be done away with or need to be tweaked are the same areas as last year. And some of us have made resolutions this year, um, and they are very similar to resolutions we've made in past years. Let's just be honest. Many of us have started exercise routines that haven't lasted to the end of the workout. Many of us have started diets that didn't last to the end of our first meal. And um, many of us have different things that we've set our mind to change relationally, financially. I mean, come on, we're starting the budget for the 18th time in a row, right? And we're going to try to make it to the end of this month, but it's difficult, right? Because we had some returns from Christmas, and when we got there, they had bought them on sale, and now things aren't on sale anymore, and so we've got to buy a replacement. It's going to cost a little more, and then we've got to get something else to go along with it, and we find ourselves halfway through a month saying, this budget thing is just a waste of my time. I mean, I'll just figure it out, and we jump right back into survival mode. If you've been there, just nod at me. You don't have to, you don't have to point at anybody sitting next to you. Just nod at me right? We've all been there. We make resolutions. We, we try our best to change things. We know things need improving, but we can't seem to sustain change many times beyond weeks or a few simple months. And we get to the end of the year and we look back and we say, I wish things would be different, but I just don't know how to change things. And I believe that what we're going to talk about for the next few weeks will be helpful. And so here's what I ask you to do. Here's what I ask you to do. The resolutions that you've already made, please don't give up on them this week or next week or the next. In fact, I'm going to give you permission this month just to kind of withdraw your resolutions and say the things that I've already committed to change, I'm going to put the brakes on those things because I want to hear a few messages that may help me implement those things. And then starting in February, you can consider that's your new year. So starting in February, the first week of February, you can relaunch your resolutions, which many of us would be honest enough to say they wouldn't have lasted that long anyway. So waiting a month to start them isn't going to be the end of the world. And now we're going to give you some tools, some things that before you start seeking those chains, some things that are going to help you. Does that make sense? Can we do that? Can we admit that many of us are very bad at resolutions? And so hopefully this will help us just a little bit. So this is what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about this idea of self-control. This idea of self-control. The fact that many of us make resolutions, we try to change things, but we just aren't in control of ourselves the way we need to be in control of ourselves to sustain the changes that we long for, the changes that we seek, the things that we want to do away with, the habits that we want to break, or the tweaks that we want to make. We're not in control of ourselves enough to sustain those changes many times. And that's why we get so frustrated with resolutions. But let's be honest, it's a new year, there's new opportunities. We get a fresh start to do things better than we've ever done them before. So why not take advantage of an opportunity to change things? 
We shouldn't do away with the idea of change simply because we haven't been successful in the past. But let's look at some reasons why we may not have been successful in the past. And let's move forward with a different mindset. And today it's all going to be about self-control. Let me read Proverbs chapter 25 verse 28. It says, Like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. Like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. Like someone who is going to be conquered. Like someone who is going to be defeated. Like someone who will be destroyed is someone who lacks self-control. And we try to change things, but unless we have self-control, the changes that we try to implement are like walls that are easily broken through. And no wonder we can't sustain the changes that we seek. Peter says this to us in 1 Peter 5, 8, and 9. He says, Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Be self-controlled. Be alert. There is an enemy that's trying to destroy you. If you don't have fortified walls to keep things out, you will be defeated. And so when it comes to change, when it comes to resolutions, we've got to build some walls. We've got to build some walls that can resist some enemies and some temptations and keep things out that will keep us from actually embracing the change that we long for so dearly. Now, I'm going to be transparent with you for the next few moments, and I hope that you'll do the same. I hope that you'll do the same with yourself, because when I told you today that we're going to talk about the topic of self-control, someone came to your mind immediately, right? Someone's name popped into your mind, and you're like, oh, I wish they were here to hear this message, right? It's someone that you work with. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a friend. You know someone. You can see it in their life that they have very little self-control, and they stay frustrated. And looking from the outside, you say, you just have issues like with control, with self-discipline. Your self-control is just, you know, it's, it's, it's lacking. And if you could just have a little self-control, your life would be so much better. But many times it's hard for us to see the same traits in ourselves, isn't it? Someone else's name comes to our mind before we look at ourselves. And so I want to ask you for the next few moments to look at yourself and ask yourself, am I self-controlled? Am I self-disciplined? Do I live my life in such a way that I allow myself to stay under control in any and every situation and circumstance. So let me help you define what it looks like to be a person with self-control. And I'm going to share a story with you that happened just this past week. Maybe you can relate to something similar in your life. And then we're going to look at what it looks like to gain self-control, where it comes from, and how we can embrace it. Here's what it looks like to be a person with self-control. It's a person who can master their moods. A person who can master their moods. They don't let feelings or emotions dictate their actions. Have you mastered your moods? Do emotions, do feelings dictate your actions? Or are you always under control in any circumstance or any situation? 
I mean, for me, let's just be honest, driving down the road, I'm the type of person that knows how to drive, and there are a lot of people on the roads around me that don't. And it frustrates me, and I find myself getting angry because people can't drive as well as I can. What's your area? Think about it. What's that area in your life that just sets your emotions off? That makes you jump into a completely different mood? Right? You can be having the best day, and all of a sudden, you're on the other end of the spectrum. You're ready to kill somebody. I mean, you're ready to kill yourself. Whatever that looks like, if things change drastically over the course of minutes, hours, or days, then chances are you may not be as self-controlled as you'd like to be. And so we've got to learn to be people who master our moods. The second thing that people with self-control possess is, is that they're able to watch their words. They watch their words, meaning that they weigh what they say before they actually speak the words. They don't say things that they regret because they take time to weigh what they're going to say and they actually mean it every time and then they're confident in the words that they actually speak. Or how often do we say things that we wish we could take back, that we regret, that we just off the cuff say because of a moment or a situation or circumstance that we're in? If, if we have a difficult time weighing our words, the chances are we're not as self-controlled as we need to be to sustain any type of change that we're seeking to embrace in 2016. How about number three? They restrain their reactions, meaning they don't lose their cool under pressure. Right? They don't just fly off the handle. They're not just set off by something that someone else would look at and say, dude, what happened? I mean, that wasn't that big a deal. And you just flew off the cuff. I mean, that was crazy. What happened? And then when you're honest with yourself, you're like, I don't know, man. I was just having a bad day, and it just set me off. It just rubbed me the wrong way. Right? You ever said it just rubbed me the wrong way? You wouldn't understand because it, it's, just, it's just something's been building inside. And it just rubbed me the wrong way, and I just, I just went nuts went nuts that happens to you if you lose your cool under pressure when when things are are annoying to you when they're frustrating to you when things are building in your life and you have a tendency to just lose your cool chances are self-control may not be as strong as you need it to be if you really want to embrace any type of change this year here's number four people with self-control stick to their schedules they stick to their schedules they determine in advance how they spend their time, and they don't let others sway their use of time. In other words, they, they budget their minutes, not just their money. They're committed to certain things in life, and no matter what comes up, they don't change those things. Because any fleeting moment that seems like it would be satisfying in a self-controlled person's life doesn't outweigh the schedule that they've committed to in advance. How do, you, how do you manage time? Do you find yourself just sporadically living life on a whim? When something comes up, you just go, and you never really think in advance how you want to spend your time, then perhaps self-control isn't a trait that you've mastered. And let's just be honest, it's going to be difficult for you to embrace change this year. How about number five? They actually manage their money. They actually tell their money where it's going to be spent instead of allowing their money to tell them where they're going to spend it. It's called a budget, and many of us have started budgets dozens of times, 
But we find ourselves in situations where something just catches our eye and it seems so attractive and alluring that we spend money and we get a few weeks into the budget and there's no chance that it's going to work. And so we jump right back into survival mode. But not a self-controlled person. A self-controlled person knows how many dollars they're going to have to spend and they know how they're going to spend it before the month ever starts. Now, emergencies may arise, but a self-controlled person has saved money because savings is in their budget. And so they don't freak out like most of us do when an emergency arises. How's your self-control looking? Are you going to be able to sustain change based on that self-control? And lastly, self-controlled people maintain their health. They maintain their health by ensuring a proper diet, Exercise and rest. Diet, exercise, and rest. Self-controlled people understand the importance of treating their bodies in such a way that they can sustain life. They don't allow themselves to become so weary that they can't make it through a day. They don't allow themselves to stray so far from any dietary needs that they have in life that they look back over the course of the year and just wonder, how did I find myself in this situation? And they understand the importance of exercise and and the results that it has on our everyday life. And so they maintain a level of exercise. These are self-controlled people. These are people who fully understand all aspects of their life and they're in control of those aspects. And they live in such a way that they don't respond to unhealthy situations, but they dictate how their life is going to be maintained. They're self-controlled. And self-controlled people have a higher rate of retention when it comes to resolutions. They're able to sustain change because they know what it takes to embrace a different lifestyle and they're able to control their actions, control their emotions, control their lifestyle in such a way that it makes it actually practical for their lives. Right? Like I had dreams as a kid of playing in the NBA, but it wasn't practical. I wasn't gifted with the ability to play in the NBA. And I think that sometimes in life, we just live with these pipe dreams that, you know, life's just going to become awesome this year. I don't know how, but it just will. It's just going to happen to me. It's going to be my year. No, it's not. You've got to make changes. You've got to be focused. You've got to make strides towards changing things, improving things, tweaking things, so that you can see your life go in the direction you want it to go. And without self-control, it's just not going to happen. So let me just be vulnerable with you here. As I'm preparing a sermon on self-control this week, I blew my cool in a way that I haven't in years, literally. I found myself so angry this past week that I lashed out in a way that I haven't in years. Many of you know that I work a part-time job at UPS, and um, I load trucks early in the morning for drivers to go and deliver. And all of you who shop on Amazon, I'm not your best friend. You're in Christmas because you're killing me. And... um, This part-time job became a full-time job for the month of December and the beginning of January because so many people shop online that we were literally going in at 1 o'clock, sometimes 12.30 in the morning and working until 9 in the morning loading trucks. It's not a fun job. It's not a terrific atmosphere where everyone loves one another. 
It's not an environment that's conducive to friendship and just camaraderie. It's certain things have to get done, and when they don't get done, people are angry. Okay? People get angry. Now, I have discovered the hard way in my job that people at UPS who work really hard tend to get more work, and that's not easy to swallow when you're someone who likes to work hard. Um, So for the last few years, I've worked really hard at UPS, and I have found myself loading more trucks than anyone else in the building. I have found myself taking on a bigger workload than the average person who does my job. And it's my own fault. I was told when I started to slow down, I was told not to work hard. I was told just to be a sorry employee, and then they would treat me like an average person, and I would get the same thing that everyone got. But it's just not in my blood. I don't believe that that's how God has wired any of us. And so I've worked really hard. We made it through a grueling, what we call peak season. We got through the end of the year, and um, it was just an exhausting period. And so things have slowed down in January, except for guess who? Yeah, except for me. See, there's this one truck that I load that has this one stop that processes returns for companies. And after Christmas, they process these Disney store Christmas trees. So apparently there's Disney stores all over the country that put these fake trees up on display during the Christmas season. And after Christmas season, they send them back to me to throw in a truck to go back in storage for the year. And we're talking about three to eight foot tall trees in in big boxes. And so it's, it's a lot of work. And every year, happens every year, every year they bring in a 50-foot trailer and these trees have to be scanned and, and stacked inside this 50-foot trailer, which many times is filled full, okay? Well, on day one of the new year when these trees started coming, there was no 50-foot trailer, which was supposed to be there. And so I had to creatively stack all of these trees in such a way that I could still load my other trucks and then at the end of the day we were going to try to figure out what to do with them. Okay, it was a frustrating day. Couldn't walk, tripping over things, wasn't enough room. So the next day after a conversation that we had at the end of that first day, um, I was ensured that there would be a 50-foot trailer there, a feeder truck as they call it. Um, But there wasn't. There wasn't. And they came heavier than the day before. And I got frustrated and frustrated and frustrated. And I got to the point where there was no room to stack these trees. And so I started just throwing them into the mechanic shop because there was nowhere else for them to go. And they literally, there was enough to fill up a budget rental truck and they wouldn't all fit in there. Like a big box truck, they wouldn't all fit in there. And so I made it very clear, we've got to have a feeder truck. We do this every year. I can't understand how we can't just order a truck and it be parked here when we start and then it makes life easier on everybody and we don't have to clean up at the end of the day and I don't have to break my neck. And the next day, there was no feeder truck. And I became angry. I mean, just starting the day, I was angry. And I'm just, I'm stuffing these trees everywhere, trying to, trying to make a way to conserve space so that I can still get to my other trucks. And it got to the point where I was full again, and so I started throwing them into the mechanic shop. And my supervisor, who had to clean up the mechanic shop the day before, didn't like that I was throwing them in the mechanic shop, and so he said something to me. And remember when I said sometimes it just rubs you the wrong way when something happens? Okay. I had nowhere to put these trees, 
And so I'm throwing them in the mechanic shop, and he's telling me, you're going to pick every one of them up. I ain't doing that again today. Don't throw them in there again. And I literally came unglued. I'm embarrassed to say that. I mean, yelling match back and forth, right? Like incompetence around here. We can't have a truck when we need a truck. Like I'm dealing with this every day. You guys are idiots. I mean, like I'm losing it. I'm losing it. I'm losing. We're shouting back and forth, and he comes over there, and I'm throwing stuff, and, and one of the boxes hits him, and he's, he's in my face saying, hit me with another box and see what happens. And I say, well, if you get out from in front of my truck, it won't hit you. And we're like, literally, this is not good. No, I don't. I'm your, I'm your pastor, okay? This is not good. It's not good. Not good at all. And so for the next four hours as I was working with this reality that I had just come unglued, I realized that I did not have the self-control that I need in my life. That I allowed my emotions to dictate my actions. And as I apologized to my supervisor at the end of the day and just told him how sorry I was for speaking to him the way that I did and how I shouldn't have reacted that way, I realized in the moment that I need more self-control in my life. Can anybody else relate? Have you, had, have you had anything that happened, maybe over the Christmas break, maybe in your family, maybe at work, that's caused you to just come unglued and you just realized, I don't have the self-control I need, right? Anybody else ate a whole bag of Doritos at once, right? You're like, I just couldn't stop, man. I know I was going to start with this diet, but we're going to start it next week, right? You, you do that, we'll start next week on my exercise routine because I didn't do it this week. So how do you get self-control, How do you become a more self-controlled person? I mean, is it just by working harder? Is it sheer willpower? Is it just a a mindset that we just have to refocus and think differently? How do we gain self-control? That's what I'm going to share with you for the next few moments. I'm going to read several scriptures. And I hope, I pray that this is helpful for you to understand that gaining self-control is not as difficult as you've been led to believe that it is. And the reason is because, first of all, self-control is a gift. It's a gift. It's a gift that you receive. It's not a gift that you earn. It's a gift that you receive. Listen to Galatians chapter number 5, verses 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such there is no law. Did you know that self-control is the fruit of the Spirit? That by living a godly lifestyle and embracing a Spirit-led life, a fruit of that lifestyle is self-control. That by having a more intimate relationship with Jesus, with surrendering your will to Jesus more and more, and allowing Him to have the center place of our lives, we gain self-control as a gift that we receive simply by loving Jesus and allowing Him access to the areas of our lives that are out of control, that need to be shaped, that need to be molded, that need to be fixed. He does the hard work for us. We just have to let Him. We have to let him. It's a fruit of the Spirit. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For the Spirit, for God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. Self-discipline. 
God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but he did give us a spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. God gave us that spirit. It was a gift that we receive. If you've got young kids, you know what it means to discipline them. You train them in areas where they need improvement. When they do something that they shouldn't do, you discipline them. And it helps them instruct, it helps instruct them to live life in such a way that's, that's pleasing, that's up to your standards. Where self-discipline is the act of disciplining yourself to avoid those areas that need discipline. So you've seen your children mature if you have older children. And the things that you used to have to stay on them about, you don't have to anymore because you discipline them. And now they have their own self-discipline to live in such a way that's correct. And God gave us that spirit. It's a gift. We started a relationship with him and he just threw it in our laps. And it's a matter of just receiving it and allowing him to do his work in us. Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 13. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. God's grace has appeared to all men. His grace brings salvation. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. He teaches us to say no and to live self-controlled. So the more we walk with Jesus, the more we study his word, the more we spend time with him, he is teaching us to live self-controlled lives. It's not about beating yourself up when you make a mistake. It's not about trying harder. It's about surrendering more of yourself. To Jesus. It's about letting go of more yourself and allowing him access to every area of your life. And what you'll find is, is the more you let go, the more you surrender to Jesus, the more self-control you'll gain. Because no longer are you trying to do things in your own strength, in your own power, but you're allowing him access. And he teaches you to live self-controlled. He gives you a spirit of self-discipline. He allows you to receive the self-control that you need to make it through life. So the first thing we do is we just receive self-control. We see it as a gift. The second thing that we have to do is we have to steward that gift well. We have to learn to use that gift properly. Just like you know, many of you got gifts for Christmas that you didn't know how to use when you got them. And you've had to read instruction manuals. You've had to tinker with them. You've had to use them for a period of time until you got comfortable with them. And now you feel comfortable and confident using whatever that gadget was. It was a process. Now you've been given a gift of self-control. You've been taught this by God's Spirit. And you've got to steward it well. Listen to what 1 Corinthians chapter 9, starting in verse number 24 says. The Apostle Paul says, Do you not know that in a race... All the runners run, but only one receives the prize. So run that you may obtain it. And here's what he says in verse 25. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. 
They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Athletes show self-control many times unlike many other people in life. I guess I should say successful athletes. Athletes who are at the top of their field are some of the most self-controlled people in the world. And Paul had a taste of the Olympics here and some of the greatest athletes of his day. And he noticed about them that they exercised self-control. They operated in self-control. Now, if self-control has been given to us as a gift, if it's being taught to us by God's Spirit, then we've got to learn to exercise it. Right? It can't be the gift that we stick away in the closet. It can't be the gift that we claim not to like and we're not going to use it. It's not a gift that we can return. It's a gift that we've got to learn to use and to exercise and allow it to become a part of our lives. If you claim to follow Jesus, you have access to more self-control than you've ever experienced in your life. God longs for you to live a life that's self-disciplined, that's full of self-control. In fact, he's given you that trait, that attribute. He's given you the ability to live under control. You've just got to exercise it. So here's how I want to end. I want to end with a biblical example of someone who demonstrated incredible self-control unlike I have ever experienced in my life. His name was Jesus. And in Matthew chapter number 26, he is betrayed by one of his 12 closest followers, a man named Judas was one of his disciples, and for 30 pieces of silver, he sold Jesus out, and he brought the Roman guards and centurions to Jesus, and he pointed out who Jesus was by betraying him with a kiss. He had told them, the one I kiss is the one you should arrest. And listen to what verse 51 says, with that, one of Jesus' companions reached for his sword. He drew it out and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. This was likely Peter. When they came to arrest Jesus, he came to Jesus' defense. He flew off the cuff. You are not going to arrest Jesus. It's not going to happen. I will defend him. I will guard him. I will fight for him. And he draws a sword and he cuts off the ear of one of the centurions. I've often thought either he had really good aim or he just missed the head altogether. But regardless... He was trying to defend Jesus. He was acting emotionally. And listen to what Jesus says in verse 52. Put your sword back in its place. For all who draw the sword will die by the sword. Do you think, listen to this, do you think I cannot call on my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? <laughs> listen, Peter, Peter, listen. Do you not think I can't call on my Father and He'll send thousands of angels to rescue me in this moment? I have that at my disposal. I do not have to go through with this. 
I do not have to be betrayed, be arrested, be tried falsely, be accused wrongly, be mistreated, be tortured, and be murdered aimlessly for something that I never should have died for. I do not have to do that. I am the Son of God, and I have at my disposal just a simple request for my Father to send legions of angels. I don't need your sword. Get yourself under control. But how then would the scriptures be fulfilled that say it must happen in this way? If I responded, if I reacted in such an unhealthy way in this moment, I would miss the purpose for which I came. I didn't come to protect myself. I didn't come to defend myself. I came to give myself as a ransom for all of humanity. And this is how it's going down. I will be mistreated. I get that. I will be abused and tortured and murdered wrongfully. And I don't have to be. But with such self-control, when a man who could call on angels to destroy his enemy looks at one of his followers and says, calm down, it blows my mind. Because some Christmas trees at UPS can set me off like I haven't been set off in years. But the King of kings and the Lord of lords was willing to control himself to the degree that he would allow himself to be betrayed and arrested and beaten and bruised and ultimately crucified and killed for us. You want to talk about self-control? We don't have to go further than Jesus Christ. And there's illustrations all throughout the Gospels, all throughout Scripture. But I want us to reflect for the next few moments on the self-control that Jesus exerted when he needed it the most. I'm going to call Walker back, and he's going to sing a song. And while he sings this song, I don't want you to stand. You don't have to sing along. It's actually a brand new song, so uh, most of you probably haven't heard it, to be honest with you. But here's what I want you to do. I want you just to listen to the words of this song. And I want you, as we reflect on the fact that there is an empty grave today, which was a result of Jesus fulfilling his mission here on the earth, understand that it wouldn't have happened without self-control. He would not have done what he came to do had he not possessed self-control. Same self-control that he makes available to you and to me. So as he sings this song, would you just, would you just think to yourself, am I self-controlled enough to sustain change this year? Or do I need to surrender more of my life to Jesus so that he can have the areas I've been holding on to and allow that self-control to permeate my entire being and then begin to use it and exercise it. Listen to the song if you don't mind. I'll remember the empty grave. That's important. Listen to Isaiah chapter 53, verse 7. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to slaughter, and as sheep before her shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. 
what he did for you, what he did for me, was guided by such self-control that allowed him to see his mission fulfilled. So when you blow your diet, you eat what you're not supposed to eat, and you want to beat yourself up, you want to quit, you want to give up, I want you to remember the empty grave, right? Jesus has conquered the grave because of the self-control he possessed. There's hope for me. I can do this. I can live in such a way. When you blow your budget, when you're tempted to spend outside of any category that you have designated, remember the empty grave. What Jesus did for me was defined by self-control. I can overcome this situation. I can overcome this circumstance. And I can see this change sustained in my life because there's self-control available to me. And anytime we're tempted to stray from any commitment or any resolution or any change that we're pursuing, we can always reflect on the moment when Jesus said, Peter, put away your sword. I could call legions of angels to come to my rescue. But it's not worth it because I'm on a mission. And whatever that mission looks like for you, how big or how small, how insignificant you may think it is, I just want to remind you today that there's an empty grave today because a man was willing to be self-controlled enough to pursue that destiny. And inside of you, is a self-control, is a self-discipline that you can exercise, that you can become familiar with, that will allow you to stop losing your cool. It will allow you to stop blowing your resolutions. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to end by just praying for you and for me. And if you would just say, as you're praying for God's self-control to be made real in people's life, would you just pray for me? I just want you to raise your hand. Just say, include me in that prayer, that I would be more self-controlled. I think most hands are up in the room. Let's pray together. Father God, in this moment, you see the hearts of the men, the women, the students who long for change this year. They, they desire for this year to be different from the past, but if they don't But first things first, they're never going to see that become a reality. And as we focused on self-control today, you executed self-control so perfectly when you resisted the temptation to be rescued from the purpose for which you came to serve. And I pray in this moment now that you would make a self-control, a self-discipline available to your people that would allow them to live in such a way that they are under control at all times. And when they blow it, when they miss the mark, and when they have to apologize, and when they have to start over, may they be reminded that the self-control that you exercised so perfectly is still available to them. And they can grow in it, and they can learn to embrace it, and they can surrender more of themselves to you, and see you use them for your glory. And most specifically, Father God, as we hopefully desire to grow closer with you this year. And many of us have resolutions to spend more time in your word. We have resolutions to spend more time in prayer. We have resolutions to fast this year. We have resolutions uh, to worship in the house of God more than we have in years past. I just pray, Lord, that you would grant us a self-control 
that would be honoring to you and bring glory to Jesus Christ. And may all that we do with our lives in 2016 be for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray.